Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Saints are coming in. 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 The Saints Hello, you miserable bastards, and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast, a very special episode of the Misery Hunters podcast. My name is Jamie Coburn, and joining me is Sam Smith. Good afternoon. And also joining us is the man Sam Smith once declared the best left and right back in St Mirren's history, Richard Tate. How's it going, team? You all right? Uh, Sam knows bad. his stuff. Knows his football. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> We done a we done a podcast once that was a uh, your like, best mirror eleven in your lifetime, and I said they'd put you in twice. So uh, that was before Ryan Strain started playing, though. So you're just in once at left back now. <laughs> That'll do. I'll take that. Once is enough, isn't it? <laughs> so no, um, thanks for having me, lads. I appreciate it. No, thanks for joining us. We definitely Aye. appreciate, it, especially around about Christmas time as well. I can imagine you're busy like everybody else. Uh, I could be busier, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right, mate. Yeah. I've got a little bit of time I can spare for you, lads. So I appreciate it. Sorry, it took me so long to bloody uh, get it sorted out. To be fair, but uh, we've made it, so we're here at least. <laughs> um, so we'll just fire into it, and you know, um, you spent most of your career in England. Was the initial move to Motherwell like a tough decision for you, or did you jump at the chance to come back up to Scotland? Or no, I definitely jumped at the chance to to come back up the up the road. Um. Most of my career and well, my whole career really in in England was you know the lower leagues and things like that. So, um, getting the opportunity to come up, back up to Scotland, back up to Motherwell in the, in the Premier League was it was an old brainer really. Um, I think the toughest thing was about it was Jess, my girlfriend, lived in London at the time, so um, it was a bit of a tough decision in terms of like leaving her in London and me coming up the road and how that was going to work out. So. Um, other than that, for a football standpoint, it was it was definitely probably the best decision I made, and probably the decision I wish I'd had the or had the opportunity to make quicker than I did. Because uh, it was the Gala Shields you were born in, wasn't it? Yeah, so I was born in Melrose, which is pretty much Gala Shields now. Uh, so um, how, how did how did the initial like when you went down to to play in England? How did that come about initially? So I actually moved when I was when I was eleven. My mum moved 
down to Manchester. Her mum lived there, so my granny. And um, we ended up moving down as a family uh, with my mum. And then I just played non-league football. So I played local football for a team called Curzon Ashton. And then they had a team that were semi-pro in the Northwest Counties League. I ended up playing for them when I was 16 in that league and kind of just went from there, really. Um, our uh, assistant manager was a guy called Derek Watson and he played with Colin Calderwood when he was at Swindon, you know, when they were in the Premier League. And uh, he was the manager at Forest at the time, so he kind of put a word in for me with him and they came to watch me and then I moved on from Curzon to, to Forest from there, really. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, obviously, we, had, we had just kind of briefly touched on it earlier when you came up to came up to Motherwell. It was, it was Robinson that signed you for Motherwell, wasn't it? No, actually, it was um, Mark McGee. Oh, great research for me there. Brilliant. Yeah, I was just going to say, good, good start, eh? Uh, um, great start. No, but, it was... Uh, so, you go, Richard. Mark McGee was the manager and Robbo was the assistant. Um, but then the day I actually signed and you know, came back to pre-season, he'd left on that day. Like, I'd never met him until that day and then he basically was saying bye and I went to <laughs> Oldham. So he went to Oldham. Um, and then, to be fair, the first season didn't really go that well. I mean, I played all right that first season, played right back for most of it. Um, but the, t- the team, as a team, we weren't doing great. Like, we were, we were fighting at the bottom, really. It was um, fairly, that, that was the year that there was the, the thing with like Mark McGee and the, the camera and the, the stand at Aberdeen, wasn't uh, it? it was hilarious uh, video. Like I, I generally like I loved Mark McGee I thought he was class he was good with me anyway um, and as like a man manager he was really good but <clears throat> do you ever get the feeling that someone just can't be arsed then something and that's what he was like <laughs> no joke like some days in training that you'd be thinking what is the, what is going on here and then other days we just wouldn't like that. I remember like a couple of times where we just wouldn't go training and, and you'd get bacon rolls for everyone you'd sit and have a bacon roll and then they'd be like alright that's will see you later a bit. I'm gonna be like, fucking. This is, yeah. This is probably not gonna end the greatest. Um, and then the day he got sacked. I mean, obviously, a horrible day for him. But <laughs> he came in the changing rooms like, right, right, lads. I don't want to fucking say too much. So all the best. I'll see you later. And that was it. Go. <laughs> nice. Because some of the some of these these interviews when it was at Dundee were just like hilarious. But like you kind of got the impression of the thing that you were saying there. Like you could tell he just couldn't be asked. Like. I generally don't know if he was just taking a piss. It was just like a major inconvenience for him that he was tasked with trying to keep Dundee in the league with like five months to go. I like know, I know. He would just much rather be off rather than doing something that he's made a living out of for so long. It was weird, like how, obviously, at Motherwell, because that was the second time round when he was at Motherwell, where obviously, like, at Dundee, like, he, he, was, he was fairly rated as a manager before then as well. Like, he, he did. Yeah, he done, he done well, yeah. He, did, he, did, well, he was obviously Leicester City manager, wasn't he, for a while? Yeah. Um, but like I said to you, he was class with me. Like man management wise, he was he was great. Like I genuinely really liked working working with him. But there were some days where I was just thinking, what is what is going on here? It's like a comedy sketch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after after obviously Robinson left left Motherwell, like did you hope that you would work with him again? Um, probably not. No, probably not. <laughs> no. Um, no, it kind of it kind of ended on bad terms at Motherwell in terms of how things went down. Where obviously it was going into COVID and shit happened with the contract and all this sort of rubbish. And I kind of probably felt that he was a part of that as well, um, as well as you know the the CEO or whatever. But um, 
And to be fair to Robbo, he's a fucking he's a lunatic at times, you know what I mean? But when he came back to St. Mirren, I generally thought when he came back, oh that's me done, like I'll be I'll be out the door pretty soon. Um but he was just completely different. He was sound. Um it's not that like, I'm not trying to say like I didn't not get on with him at Motherwell. Kind of just never knew really where I stood with. Um and then when he came in at St. Mirren, I thought, yeah, that's probably me gone after the situation that happened at, at Motherwell. And then he was C percent. He was completely kind of more mellow, really, chilled out a little bit more. And I think he kind of, I don't know if he went away from that situation and kind of thought, well, maybe I could have, maybe we could have done things a little bit better. Do you know what I mean? Um, but to this day now, like, I get on with him, like, he's, he's sound. Um, kind of incredibly intense when, like, we've been in doing, like, commentary behind the scenes. He's like, I've never seen him, like, walk at a normal pace. He's always, like, kind of sprinting around, like, Honestly, that is him mellow. Like, if you can think about him and you think he's like intense there, just times that by a thousand. When he was at Motherwell, he was fucking nuts. Um, but in a, not not really like to a certain extent, sometimes it was a bad way, but his intensity, like the reason why we were so good and why St. Murray are probably doing so well now is that he just doesn't let you enjoy, like, not enjoy, but relax into like a false sense of, oh, like we're amazing. Do you know what I mean? Like, he'll basically, like, right, forget that game. We just won. We need to go and win this game. Like, start from scratch. And, like, you're not as good as you fucking think you are. Like, we need to be... And it's true, like, the, the lads at teams like Motherwell and St. Mirren, like, they're good players, but they're not good enough to go and just rely on being their ability. Like, they need to work hard. And, and he's really, really big on that. So, he's he's definitely one of the best, if not the, the best tactical manager I've worked with. Like, I think he's he's fucking amazing at that and he's definitely got better at, at like man management. Yeah, a lot of people have said that in interviews with players that have played under him that said like tactically so so switched on. Uh, we were I done I done a thing for uh, the Open Goal podcast and I was talking to talking to James McFadden after it and he said like he's so like switched on. Like he, him and uh, between him and O'Carroll, like they've both got a like mountain of knowledge and are both constantly trying to improve as well. Definitely, yeah. I'd agree with that. Like he's and he has got better on the man management side. And I think um, I think Darren kind of helps him on that as well. Like he's almost like, I think he can calm him down a bit and say like, like, like let's deal with this in a better way rather than probably in the past where we would go in when he was <laughs> raging and things would go badly, you know. We've right. spoke to Dermot a few times. He's one of the nicest people we've ever like spoke to within kind of football, other than yourself, of course. Um, Thanks, mate. <laughs> is he like that behind the scenes as well? Yeah, he's a, he's generally a nice guy. Yeah, a really good guy. And and like uh, like Faddy said, he's he's got a lot of knowledge on the game and he's his football intelligence intelligence is, is fucking really, really good, like. Uh, but um, more importantly, he's a nice guy. And that's I think that's I think that's probably what gets him gets the last to do certain things for on the pitch and stuff because ideally you just wanna if you can get a manager that you can run through a wall for then you're going to get a 10 out of 10 performance every weekend right. so and, and enough about Motherwell this is a St Mirren podcast we're not, we're not interested in <laughs> enough about Motherwell so obviously you left Motherwell in uh, 2020 uh, how did the move to St Mirren come about so obviously it was Jim Goodwin that was the, the manager at the time yeah I had, I had a few a few um, different clubs ring up um, <coughs> I'll be honest it was just Jim in terms of making you feel wanted do you know what I mean? Like other clubs are, they're on and on about certain things and blah, 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 whatever. And, and Jim was like, no, no, I want you, want you to play. 
Although he did say he wanted me to play right back and I fucking never ended up playing there. But uh he just he could just tell like he he made you feel wanted. And as a footballer, that's all you really want really is someone to say, like, right, I want you, I want you to play here and you're gonna be this and that. So it was kind of an easy decision really to to go and sign because I, I got on with Jim really well and, and Sharky was great as well. So it was it was an easy decision to come to the club and you know, it's a it's a good club. Your uh, first season at St. Martin was obviously during like essentially the COVID season. How was it like mm-hmm. coming into that club when there was like no fans in the stadium? It was bizarre, yeah, really bizarre. Um, probably not the most enjoyable season ever. Uh, I think probably most of the, most lads would say that. I guess um, it just wasn't. Every game was like a fucking preseason friendly. It was mm-hmm. honestly rubbish. No atmosphere, and you'd run out and. Not that you, not that you can't be bothered going playing the game, but there was times where you're just like this is shite. Like training was shite. It was always disrupted where things going on or people getting COVID or you're not being able to do it X, Y, and Z. You were training at the ground and then driving to the training ground, and it was just all a bit of a a bit of a faff to be honest with you. Did the how like, obviously there was we had quite a few sort of squad COVID outbreaks, and that was that just becoming an absolute pain in the ass at some point. Pretty much, yeah. I think it was just, as a player, you probably just thought, right, when am I going to get it? Because it's going to come round and once you've had it and get rid of it, like, right, when am I going to get it again? Because it's going to come. <laughs> um, I think the funny thing is about it as well is like, you see all these things in the paper and like lads getting it who play football and they get absolutely abused for, for getting COVID. And it's like, well, I could literally leave my house and go and get it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand yeah. why it's such a big deal and it's like, oh, at the end of the day, everyone else was told to stay at home where you had to leave your home and go to training. Like, you could pick up on the way. Like, wherever, I guess. I don't know. So, and there's groups, of, was, uh, groups of 25 boys training who've got partners who are out working and stuff like that. That's what I mean. There was, there was a point as well where uh, they were like, right, you have to keep some distance training. And I was like, how, how is that possible? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's just fucking dumb. Like, some of the things that, was, that you had to do or had to say you were doing, it just wasn't possible if you were going to play football. Do you know what I mean? Like you're playing a possession game, but you're not allowed to go anywhere near anyone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just, uh, it was good for me because I could actually keep a hold of the ball, but um, <laughs> most of the lads, it was, it was honestly, it was tough. It was just a weird year. It was a weird year and I was honestly buzzing to get the fans back into the, into the ground and kind of just get some atmosphere going really. Yeah, we, we were at, we, uh, we got in through media passes for a couple of the games and it was, it was just so like so weird because all like we've ever known is going to the football with thousands of fans on the ground and like just being there and you were able to hear like every single conversation on the pitch, which was most of the time Jack Anik moaning at like linesmen and referees, which was yeah. incredible. The the patter he used to give some of them. Like you're just like sitting listening, you're like, surely there must just get to a point where referees just can't be asked with people like you. Oh, and must 100%. Just, like, book you straight away. But like he married I, I think he, I don't think he picked up one booking. And some of the stuff he shouted at referees was wild. Like I just used to burst out laughing when I was sitting in the uh, sitting in the stand. Some of the things he used to say, and I used to think, "Oh, you're going to get booked in a minute." And you never did. <laughs> Not actually, regularly. Like, couple times maybe. When he maybe ran out and like cross bodied Tony Watt and get sent off. Uh, yeah. United, but I think that was the only time yeah. ever picked up. The games are the games are weird. They were strange, weren't they? They were they weren't proper games. They were mm-hmm. fucking weird. Strange. Yeah, they were almost like a training match. 
I think you go back and you watch some of the highlights for that season. I think one of the ones that was obviously three years ago yesterday when we beat Rangers as well, and you think like would that have happened if you're playing in front of like a full crowd? Like put it this way, would Rangers have won that league if there was a crowd? I'm not no, sure they would. No, I, I, I don't think so. It kind of shows that a lot of their players don't like handled it differently. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, you had spoke about it uh, when Goodman signed you. He said he was going to play you. He was going to play you right back, <laughs> and obviously, you ended up. We ended up because I think when you had signed, I think the like, conversation at the time was like, "Right, well, surely we're going to sign a left back," and it was like edging closer to the world to start the season. And I don't. We ended up not signing Brandon Mason until like October. Yeah. Who then? Who then also didn't play? Played like three or four games, and then obviously you played left back for the majority of the time. Like, is that something you've always been comfortable doing, playing on either flank? Because you've done it at Motherwell as well. Yeah, pretty much. I've played there quite a lot uh, throughout my career. Probably probably my career at Motherwell, I played left back more than I played right back. Um, and then, obviously, like you said, there are sign and you said, oh, you'll, you'll play right back. I was like, right, great. Get a run at right back. Yeah, right wing back, one of the two. And then uh, Marcus Fraser was at training one day and I was like, oh, I'm not playing right back now. <laughs> I'll maybe play left back uh, and then you get pulled in and he's like I'm going to put you at left back uh, I was like right no worries so one of those things like as long as I was playing I didn't really care where what position I was playing um, looking back on my career obviously finishing now then I just wonder if I played right back a bit more if I'd have done any better does that make sense yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean rather than playing left back but I was pretty comfortable on my left it, was, it wasn't a bad thing really so I think yeah, I don't you, know playing be, See, it with some players, like it can maybe like knock them off a wee bit because obviously we've had Terry Small playing right back, the right wing back the last couple of weeks, and like he, he's good at it, but it's just the kind of like unnatural part that you constantly see him try to cut in on his left, and then when he try to swing across him, he's right foot inside. It was shocking. Yeah, I mean, it nearly worked. It got to one of our strikers, did it? No, it trickled through four Motherwell defenders, hit off two other strikers, and then felt like a big kill to it. So that's, that's a funny thing. Do you ever find that a left back? Like you never really see a left back playing right back, do you? Mm. Oh. You always see right. You always see right backs playing left back. Yeah. You ever noticed that or not? Never really that's, saw that's, that before, but now that you've said it, I like yeah, so, think Aye. that's what I mean. Like Dennis Irwin played left back his whole career, he was right foot. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's fucking. I don't know. Um. I honestly didn't mind it. I just wonder if I got a run at right back, like maybe a couple of seasons, like if I would have done any better than what I did. At left Next, back. I, I think know. there was there was chat around it at the time. Obviously, I think uh, I can't I can't remember the season it was when you were with me. I think it might have been the one where uh, we got to the two cup finals. That there was obviously like chat at the time. That was when O'Donnell got called up to the Scotland mm-hmm. squad. That like if you had maybe played right back more at that time rather than playing left back, would you get in the Scotland squad and maybe had like a couple of caps? Because obviously at that time, like. Scotland never had any. Scotland never had anyone at right back for. No, no. Tierney was playing right back, wasn't he? Yeah, it was, it was like square, square pegs and round holes, and yeah. I made. I made there was a little bit of chat about it when I was at Motherwell, yeah, but even then, mate, I played fucking left wing back for Motherwell in that year. So it's just, I don't think anyone knew I was a right back. <laughs> but you know, uh, maybe it might have been different, but it is what it is. So you were obviously at the club when. Um... Goodwin left after, you know, committing his three-year planning to the fans and stuff, and then he left Aberdeen. And then, obviously, Robinson came in, which you mentioned, and said that um, you were a wee bit worried, uh, but it turned out to be good and stuff. How did the like the setup kind of change between Goodwin and Robinson? It didn't really change too much at the start. I think because we were doing all right, weren't we, uh, when yeah, Jim yeah. left. 
And I think Robbo might have been worried that if he came in and changed what he'd wanted to change, like the chat at the start of him coming in was like, right, I'm going to keep things the same, blah, 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 and we'll do this and that. And they both manage in completely different ways in terms of how they run stuff. Um, and I knew like if he did change it all at once, lads wouldn't have liked it. Do you know what I mean? They wouldn't. Have, it would have been too much of a big change for him. So um, he kind of he let it run for a little bit, and then I think we played Ross County. We got beat. We got beat away at Ross County, and he fucking lost his shit. And he uh, that was the game over. That was the end of um, him trying to transition. He was just like, "No, nah, we're doing it my way." And if you don't like it, then you're off. And it was like, "Fair enough." Like he's you're the manager. Um, and it kind of just he got on a bit of a run, didn't he? We did. We didn't do too badly. I don't think the fans were having him that much at the start, were they? No, there was people that wanted him sacked after about three games. So yeah, mental. There's certain fans that have stolen. You lot are mental, by the way. Listen, we are. We are, but the majority of the fan base can be. It's, I say majority. It's like a very silent, like the the silent majority. Like, uh, but then there's like these guys who are so loud, mm-hmm. and it's their opinions that get heard the most. Because like, obviously, we were on that fairly. I say a bad run. We won. Like, we had only lost twice to teams outside Rangers and Celtic, yeah. <laughs> and like a run of twelve games. And guys were like, "Oh, he's been." I think someone said the run of the Facebook pages that. Uh, it had been found out other than a good 18-month spell. He's not done well at St Mirren. Well, well, he's only been here for, like, 20 months, so that's all right. Like, uh, uh, if he's been found out for two months worth of work, then I'll take that run any time at St Mirren. But, yeah, yeah that, I think especially at the time that you're mentioning, uh, I think it took him... I think we lost seven on the bounce. Yeah. Which then, as you said, it kind of started to turn when we... Then started to see him get the best out of guys like like Curtis Main because that's like a transformation. I've never seen anything like it at St Mirren before. Like someone just yeah. completely turned it round like that. Curtis was uh, he was really really good at uh, at Motherwell, and that's yeah. because Robbo was the manager. And I just don't think at the time Jim knew how to get the best out of him. Um, I think with Curtis, you've just got to let him know that he's like no matter what Curtis says, just pander to the fact that yeah you're right mate you're right he's spot on and just let him think that he's fucking he's dictating what he does and I think that's what the manager was good at um, and that's why you get the best out of him so yeah it's, uh, for Robbo when he came in there was a lot of players that he probably would have signed himself I think that's probably what probably what he was thinking like I wouldn't he's not for me like I wouldn't have signed him he doesn't do what I need him to do and then once he started getting his his players in that you know, he thought would do the job and how he wanted to play. Um, you just see the benefit of it because, like I said, he's technically he's, he's great, and I think every lad goes onto the pitch each game knowing exactly what he expects of them, and if they they do that, then he's happy. So, um, like you said, he, he he didn't do too badly, but obviously people weren't that happy with him, um, and then he's turned it around massively now. Like it's fine. Uh, I think we, we we've said it before in our podcast. He's comfortably the best St. Man manager in like thirty forty years. Like it's it's mm. just such a such a good successful spell for the club. Just uh, now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Do you know what? I wouldn't even say turned it around. Turned it around's not fair. Um, yeah. Just had a little bit of time to get it how he wants it, and now you're seeing obviously the benefit of that. And I'm not saying that Jim because Jim done really well as well. Yeah. Um, but just very different styles and very different ways of of managing. I guess. Right, so obviously you scored scored a few goals, a few cracking goals. Do you think you scored a better goal in your career than the one you scored against Ross County? 
probably not, no. It was a good one, that, wasn't it? Oh, belter. Uh, it was yeah, one of the ones I, I that as soon as it left the boot, hey, I, sit, I sit like directly in line with it, and as soon as it came off the boot, you're like, aye, that's, that's, that's right in. Like, uh, I've definitely not scored a better goal than that, for sure. Um, first, first goal for Spurn was quite good as well, diving header. Diving header against the Ah, that was a decent header, yeah. I don't know what I was doing up there, right? But it was uh, it was a good <laughs> start, like, right, wasn't it? <laughs> the thing is, as well, like, you score on your, on your debut and that, you think, fucking hell, it's only downhill from here. I'm not got another one yeah, until about two years later. <laughs> it cost me a lot of money after that because I... I was <laughs> Every five, week. Yeah, five five or a week on Richard Tate to score first, which uh, only came in once after that, so uh, I... You'd be better for a booking, but you wouldn't. It was either, either you or Joe Shaughnessy. My, my dad would like, rotate between, so. Uh, ah, Joe would score a few, to be fair. Made, uh, he made decent money out of Shaughnessy. I think yeah, the, it was Goodwin's second season. Uh, no, Goodwin's third season, sorry, so it would have been your second. Uh, I think like, Joe Shaughnessy scored like six goals. <laughs> like, guys, our support obviously as rational as ever wanted even played up front because he could score goals. So, ah. <laughs> He wasn't bad to be fair. Joe did great. Yeah, he's doing all right at Dundee now, is he? Scored, scored the win on Saturday. Ah, uh, yeah, he's got he's got a few goals in him, right? With corners and stuff like that. Uh, good, good, good finisher. Eh, uh, obviously, that's uh, a few good goals, but uh, you're not going to get any better than that one against County. That was that was a peach. we needed that as well, didn't we? Yeah, that was, was when we were on a bit of a wee bit of a blip at the start. We needed a win, yeah. didn't we? So. It was good. Kicked off the good right. run and then fucking... Maybe done all right after that. Done all right. I was out of the team, fucked. That's probably why we did all right. <laughs> was it... Uh, obviously, you spent... The, the last season, you kind of had your injury troubles and stuff. Was it... But you were you, you managed to get back to some fitness because you played the last game of the season, didn't you? Yeah, mate, yeah. I think um, even before that, I was thinking about retiring before I was mm-hmm. injured. I just, I just kind of got to a point where I was like, right, I'm kind of... Kind of had enough of this. I want to try something different. So, um, and then obviously, I was going to ask. Sorry, I was just that's what I was going to ask. Was that a tough decision, or were you tempted to go part time and do the sort of CrossFit training on the side? Or yeah, I was. I was tempted to go part time, play to part time. Um, I went training with East Kilbride actually on on when I'd finished, and I just thought it's not for me. Do you know what I mean? I've done I've done that before, and. I couldn't be asked going to train at eight o'clock at night and finish at ten and then whatever. Do you know what I mean? So I just thought, do you know what? I'll just knock it on the head and and not play. Um, it was it was obviously a tough decision because I went and watched. I actually went and watched Motherwell the other day and they were hopeless. And I was like, I could still play for these. Do you know what I mean? You know, you think I could still play. Um, so it's hard when you watch when you're watching teams and you actually think I could still play. Um, but I guess it was just time for me to just have a change, really, and and just with the injuries and stuff like that. I actually did think like, I played Rangers last game of the season, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And I just felt a mile off it. I just felt like I was back fit, but I just couldn't move properly. Do you know what I mean? And I, I was in my head. I was thinking, well, I need to use my body for what I want to do next. Mm-hmm. I need it to kind of be the best it can be. So I just kind of. I wouldn't say it was from the injury because I was thinking about it beforehand, but it definitely probably contributed a little bit. Yeah. How did obviously like CrossFit's like your like thing? Like, is is that been like have you how long have you been into that for? Is it like something that you've done for a long time? Like, a long, like, long how time. Do you get into that? Because I had never heard of it up until like I had stumped when you had signed and I had like, looked at your Instagram. And I was like, this guy's fucking fit as anything, man. Like, <laughs> well, this guy's um, a lunatic. Like he plays football and then goes and, and then runs goes and does and, that, right? Like, uh, oh, fucking... Dumbass, isn't it? Um, 
so I, I've done it since 2014, but I've always been at the gym. So I've always, when I was, you know, when I was younger and at Forest, I'd go training and then I'd go to the gym at night time and just do weights or whatever. Just always into it. I just I just enjoyed it, really. And then I stumbled across CrossFit when I was in Cambridge. Um, just on the internet, I think. I thought, that looks a bit of me. Like, I'm going to try that. And then I was going to go and try it in, in Cambridge, but the S&C coach was like, I don't really want you doing that after training and stuff. And then, no way. I won't bother. And then I got released off Cambridge and went to Grimsby. But I lived in Nottingham. Um, so there was no way of them really knowing if I, what I was doing at night. So I just thought, you know what, I guess I'm just going to go. And honestly, I, no joke in saying it's the fittest I've ever been. Like, like Football was so easy, like fitness-wise. And I was already pretty easy in, in terms of running about. Um, but that season, I was just, I could have played two games back-to-back. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just felt really fit and since then I've kind of just progressed to the point of now I'm coaching it and now it's my fucking job so it's it's quite cool. Uh, it's something I'd, I'd love to give a bash but I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy lager too much and, and eating uh, to to get into something so like ridiculously I like changed up the stuff I've done in the gym this year like done a bit more like conditioned stuff and I was like it was like one of the ones I was doing. Ten seconds off, uh, ten seconds on, six seconds off, like sprints on an assault bike, twelve times over, and I was I came off it at the end, and I was like, ah, like how the fuck do people do this? Like every day, there's like people who can do this times like twenty, and I'm struggling to do it twelve times over. Like, <laughs> That's pretty hard though to prefer an assault bike. Horrible. Yeah, uh, there's like so so much so much good in it. I watched the like the CrossFit games on the telly. Like, like the, some of those guys are like proper, like guy and women as well, like they're proper athletes. Like, yeah, they're amazing. The funny thing about that is, though, like, we get guys come to the gym, and then anytime you say you say some to someone CrossFit, like they just think that if they've seen the CrossFit games, they think, okay, well, that's what CrossFit is. That's CrossFit the sport, uh, and then there's CrossFit the training, like methodology, like it's, they're two different things. It's almost like you saying to me, never played football before, and saying, right. Um, here's Messi this is what football is <laughs> and saying like you need to do it at that level do you know what I mean whereas you've got guys who kind of kick a ball playing five sides do you know what I mean does that make sense uh, I, I, it's the same thing there's different levels to it <laughs> functional fitness is like very very in just now it seems to be like the end thing it every is, single yeah. person I know on Instagram is like constantly doing like mad like functional workouts oh, just have a day off man stop posting it please I feel terrible <laughs> enough that I've not been to the I've not been to the gym in like three weeks myself. I feel terrible enough. So you might want to unfollow that. my Instagram. My Instagram's fucking must be bad. It's the same. Uh, no, it's, it's good to be fair. Like uh, some of the there was some of the stuff you were doing. Don't backtrack, man. No, I tell you, it's, it's good to watch. <laughs> <laughs> the peak of their physical powers. It's good to watch. I just don't need my pals slaughtering me because I've not been for three weeks. <laughs> oh, Jamie, I think you're next up. Actually, oh, I actually thought it was me there, but. Also, is uh, sorry. This is how prepared we can be sometimes. Um, so, so looking back now, you kind of touched on. You said that looking back at your career, how would you kind of sum it up? What's what would be like your main highlights? There's a few. I don't really. It's weird. Like, I just kind of look at. It, I was all right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I did all right. Um, obviously, did better than that. I guess. I guess you're probably always just looking at like a player who plays for Man United. Do you know what I mean? You're thinking like that's a successful career, or maybe not now, but um, I guess my highlights are probably you know, I had a couple of promotions. We obviously Cambridge and Grimsby. Playing at Wembley was good. Um, 
two cup finals with, with Motherwell and then obviously the semi-finals with St Mirren. Um, played at Old Trafford too, didn't you? You're a Man United fan, is that right? I played at Old Trafford. That's probably one of the biggest highlights, I think, is playing there. Right. Um, but yeah, it was all right. It did all right. Better, it was, better football. It's, 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 it's like a really, like, I think you look compared to like guys who obviously like no no like playing football at any levels like is really hard like I think you like play at any sort of like professional or like semi pro level is really hard and like you're one of like very few people that can actually go on and say you've played at some of these stadiums and achieve what you have so yeah, it's I think probably the big like you say there probably the biggest thing is setting out as a kid wanting to be a professional footballer and actually doing it so that's probably the best thing really like as much as there's so many fucking lows is very few highs and the highs are amazing um, and they make it worthwhile um, so yeah it's probably just actually be having the ability or having a career in professional football because like you just said there it's, it's pretty bloody hard to do It's such a small percentage like I think it was the programme that was on Channel 4 the one at the Crystal Palace Academy that said it's like 0.5% of people that play football are the ones that actually go on and have a career in professional career, football yeah. it's such a small number as well like you think for like every one like you who gets through and plays at a good level, there's like hundreds and thousands of kids who don't make it. So who don't? Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's probably a big achievement to be fair. I think obviously this this interview came about because of one of the guys at your gym. Uh, yeah, Gordon. To, yeah. yeah, really, really good guy. He's he's one of the patrons. A good guy pays his three quid a month to the podcast. So. Uh, he knows yeah, that's his, why he's a good guy. No, yeah. knows his stuff. I wouldn't be a good. He wouldn't be a good guy if he did that. Uh, no, no, I appreciate it, lad. You obviously donated to win for autism. Yeah, that's that's what we're going. Um, to, that's what we're going to go on. Just, uh, just ask. Just tell us a wee bit more about it. Obviously, we uh, that was one of the things that Gordon had said. We'll obviously, try and help raise a wee bit for it. So, uh, I think we put in a wee bit. I'm pretty sure a lot of the guys in the Patreon put some put money in as well. So, uh, just tell us a wee bit more about the sort of what they do. Yeah, so um, the guys that I work for now at Win Fitness, uh, Graham and Jenna, they set up a a little kind of charity to help kids with autism. Basically, uh, the foundation is called Win for Autism, and it come about because their little boy is is actually autistic and he's he's nonverbal, so he doesn't he doesn't speak. Uh, and I think obviously they'll know better than anyone how to you know how that how hard that is to kind of live with a, a child who's like that, and just things that you can't things that probably normal parents who are, with kids who speak or or are verbal and things like that or don't have autism um how much they take for granted that they can go to the cinema they can go to x y and z and they know what their child's going to behave like or they know how they're going to be in certain situations um so jenna and g organized the the foundation to basically just bring parents together who have autistic children and the autistic children and give them opportunity to go and either rent out the cinema, go to the cinema and they have full reign in the cinema. Like They probably don't even watch the film, they probably just run about the, the seats and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? But stuff like that. So trips out with them, going to obviously the the trampoline place and we had a, we had a Halloween party at the gym the other day that had a bounty castle in the gym and just things knocking about that they probably wouldn't get the opportunity to do if, you know, if they didn't have win for autism and didn't have Jen and G kind of organise these things. Like I remember one one day they had a birthday party and it was no one's birthday. It was just a <laughs> it was just a birthday party because they probably don't get invited by other children yeah. to 
school birthday parties. Do you know what I mean? So it's a really, really great charity, and it's a good that it, it's really, really close to Jen and G's heart. And they obviously, um, you know, I'd like to think they kind of give the opportunity to other autistic children to kind of do things that they wouldn't get to normally do. So, um, yeah, we had a we had a fundraiser. We have a fundraiser every year. Um, and it's just a, basically a workout that anyone can come and do and you can you know buy tickets to, to do it and the money goes towards obviously with autism and then you guys said that you would donate some money if I did a, a podcast so this is <laughs> this is us here now <laughs> so I appreciate that and everyone like you said anyone who donated money through the Patreon it, it's really really much appreciated and it goes to a really really good cause and it gives the it gives Jenna and G the opportunity to organise things throughout the whole year Um and have like a structured plan of what these kids are going to get up to. So it's, it's awesome. So I really appreciate it. Good to donate to good causes. I think you had kind of said it yourself. Like there's, there's not a lot of like support or anything like in place for autistic kids. Like it's something that we kind of try and like through like my job, like we like not directly, but like the kind of benefits that we get from our job, we kind of try and encourage the suppliers that we do business with to, like assist with causes and it's sort of stuff like that that isn't really support for so that's that's a tremendous cause and I think Gordon had said about some of the work that he's had done before and it was really 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 good and uh, we couldn't be any happier to donate money towards it I appreciate it lads thanks no worries and we'll put the link to the charity and all the information more about it in the bio for the podcast so if you want to, if you've listened and you want to learn a bit more or whatever you'll be able to click the link and find out and donate awesome whatever. thank you very much no, but, uh, th- thank you for joining us. Um, we really do appreciate it. No, no, I've, I've loved it. I love doing stuff like this. So, um, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. No, and Sam will be talking about this for months. It's more, <laughs> uh, it's more, uh, it's more, uh, more Kirsty. I feel bad for who's what just now. But, uh, the sole reason that Kirsty watched football over the last three years is because <laughs> of you. So, uh, I, so it was the sole reason she was interested in football. I was the same with my missus. We, like, I was watching a summer game once and she had, she's never commented at all. And she looked up once when you were coming on the pitch and you had your shirt off and she went, oh, who's that? He he looks interesting. I was like, all right, does he? <laughs> yeah, Kirsty tells me she doesn't like tattoos, but her two favourite footballers have been Richard Tate and Lyndon Dykes. And I was like, please make it make sense. Ah, uh, yeah. No, I'm not sure that does make sense, mate. Nah, maybe it's a little yeah. maybe it's a king she's got the old tattoo that's why, I'm, that's why I'm going to get a tattoo <laughs> I'm booked in to get a tattoo at half three today so that's why I'm going straight after this <laughs> love that no, but, but thanks for joining us and if um, you want to hear more from Richard we're going to do a small Patreon episode with him with uh, some more hard hitting questions I don't know, we'll see <laughs> perfect thank you and goodbye thanks guys Sports Social Podcast Network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.